continuing in our series, right? This is the third one. If you've been here for all of them, you get a gold star. Um, everyday Jesus, every day. Uh, and it's a look at what our everyday lives could and should look like if we lived out the teachings of Jesus on a daily basis. Um, most of us know the things that Jesus taught us to do, right? Um, we've been in church for a while, a lot of church people here. I'll try to stay away from the speaker. A lot of church people here. The things that Jesus taught us, don't be afraid, right? We talked about that last week. Trust God. Be humble. Have faith. Seek wisdom. Love each other. Um, and in this series, we're asking the question, how do I do that? That thing that um, I know that I'm supposed to do, that Jesus taught me to do, uh, that my Sunday school teacher told me I should do, that the pastor preaches about all the time. Right? How do I do that? What does that look like in my life every day? And in uh, week one, we started with the instruction that Jesus gives to love other people. And we talked about how to love people every day and what that looks like in our lives. And we talked about those four words, that question uh, that we ask to show love to people in our lives every day. How can I help? I hope you don't forget those words, right? I hope you're, you know, you're when you... Uh, have the opportunity, you ask those words uh, to someone and then you follow through and engage in that person's life. Last week we talked about how to fight fear. Um, what does courage look like in our lives every day? And I hope this week you got out of bed and you put one foot in front of the other and you, you went out to face with confidence uh, the things that God has set before you uh, in this life. Today, we're gonna talk about how we can fight pride. Uh, on a daily basis. Uh, or put another way, what does humility look like uh, in our lives every day? And I'll be honest with you, uh, when I was looking, you know, at the you know, little background, when somebody's preparing like a sermon, kind of a series, I don't really like to call it, you know, a sermon, you know, but you know what I'm talking about. You know, you're kind of thinking about, all right, where is this going? You know, what are we going to be talking about? Um, and I'll, when I'm thinking about the teachings of Jesus, um, humility wasn't like at the top of my list, right? I mean, it's important. We know it's important. Um, but I've only got a limited time up here. You know, pastor's gonna come kick me off of the, the stage eventually. Uh, and uh, humility wasn't like, it's not like exciting, right? I could think of a lot of, of other things. But, you know, the more I looked at what Jesus taught about humility and what the Bible has to say about humility, the more I saw how vital it is, vital it is that we understand what humility is and what it looks like and what it should look, look like in our lives uh, every day. And I think it's important because of all of the teachings of Jesus we could talk about, it's the one that you're most likely to think that you've got covered, I think. You know, um, I may not love everybody like I should, and I, I'll be honest, I, I, you know, yeah, I don't, I'll admit it, I don't love everybody like I should, and sometimes I get scared of things, and, and I'm not content, and all, I, don't, I can confess those things uh, to you, uh, but uh, I definitely don't think I'm better than other people, right? I mean, I'm not a prideful person. I'm not a prideful person. I, I'm, I'm sure all of us in here would say, hey, I'm, I'm not a prideful, I'm not a prideful person. I had a conversation, I'm just having a random conversation with some guy this week. I can't even remember exactly what we're talking about, but out of nowhere, he goes, you know, I'm a very humble guy. <laughs> okay, I mean, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure you're a very humble guy. You know, but we all kind of think, I'm a very humble guy. Very, very humble. Um, that's why I think it kind of goes, we kind of 
gloss over it a little bit. Nobody sits around going, hey, you know, I got a pride problem. I got a real pride problem here. Uh, so I thought today we would talk about what Jesus has to say about the subject. And, um, you know, maybe you don't think you have a problem, but, but humor me for a few minutes uh, anyway this morning. Maybe you're like that guy, you know, you're a very humble, you're a very humble person. Uh, the instruction to be humble appears numerous times in the Bible, but here's one you might remember, James 4, verse 7. As the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. When James is making that statement, he's actually quoting from uh, the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon, Proverbs 3, verse 34. Um, Peter, I think it's 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter also quotes that same passage from Proverbs when he's talking uh, to, to another group of believers. I don't know about you, but if the Bible tells me that God opposes something, it gets my attention. I hope it gets your attention, too. I want God to be for me. I got, I got enough going on in this life, right? I want God to be for me. I don't want God to be against me. I don't want God pushing back against me and the things that I'm doing. In 2 Samuel twenty-two twenty-eight, the Bible tells us that God's eyes watch the proud and humiliates them. The King James Version says, thine eyes are on the haughty, that thou mayest bring them down. Mm. Psalm 138, verse six, tells us, the Lord keeps his distance from the proud. And the New Century Version says it like this, he stays away from the proud. Of course, I would be remiss if I didn't um, remind us all uh, that pride is number one on the list of things that God detests. Proverbs 6, 16. There are six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination to him. I could have used a different translation on that, but I just like the word abomination because I think it really gets the point across. Yea, seven are an abomination to him. Number one, a proud look. God detests pride. In fact, he actively opposes those who are prideful. Humility is the opposite of pride. Uh, and scripture also has a lot to say about how God reacts to people who are humble. Proverbs 11, two. With humility comes wisdom. Psalm 25, nine. He guides the humble in doing right and teaches them his way. Proverbs 22, four. True humility and fear of the Lord leads to riches, honor, and long life. And then back to 2 Samuel twenty-two twenty-eight 28, again, you rescue the humble. And finally, Matthew 18, 4, so anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I don't know about you, but I, I wanna be close to God. I want God's wisdom. I want God's guidance. I want God's protection. I want his provision. I want the, that long life, honor. And I know that if there's pride in my life, that ain't happening. I mean, that's, I don't know, 
Sometimes the Bible's hard to understand. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's pretty clear. Um, so how do I fight pride? And what should humility look like in my life on a daily basis? And the, the first thing that I want to remind everybody of, just like with love and with courage, is that humility is not a feeling. Okay? I feel so humble. Right? I just... I, I'm really trying. I'm really trying to feel humble. Trying real hard. It's not, that's not how it works. Humility is not a feeling. It's an action. It is something that I live out in what I do. What does the act of humility look like in my life? And to answer that question, we're going to look at a few passages. You can already tell this is good, like a lot of Scripture reading day. All right, lots of different scriptures. In preacher school, I'm sure they tell you not to put this many passages of Scripture into one thing, but I didn't go to that school, so you're going to have to deal with it this morning. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, right, is where we're going to, to start. And Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, and he tells them, this is in verse 3, don't be selfish, don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. And other translations say, be humble and give more honor to others than to yourself. Verse four, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Humility requires that I look outside of my own little world and ask, how does this affect, how does what I'm doing affect my, my spouse, my child, my coworker, my neighbor, my friend? A humble person, right, puts the comfort of others before herself, the feelings of others before his own, the preferences of others before his own. He thinks of, as we said in verse three, others as better than himself. A humble person acts like he or she is the least important person in the room. A humble person says, you first, and then me. You first, and then me. Now, this is an important, really important part of this morning, and God wants you to know this. This does not apply to four-way stop signs, okay? I just, if you're watching on Facebook right now, listening, one of our many podcast listeners uh, out there, uh, I want you to know there are rules for four-way stops. It's not you first, then me, all right? They're, the person on the left yields to the person on the right. Extremely important that you remember that part of this morning's message, just follow the law uh, when that uh, comes from. But in most other areas of life that don't involve traffic, all right, a humble person says, you first, your preferences, your comfort, your convenience comes before mine. That's humility in action, right? That's not I, I feel humble. That's I am humble. I act humble. 
A humble person minimizes her position and importance and emphasizes the importance of others. There's a great story about humility that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 14. And he's at this dinner, right? Um, And he notices that everybody is trying to sit at the head of the table uh, because that society, and kind of in ours too, uh, the closer you are to the head of the table, the more important that you were. And so Jesus is observing this scene, you know, as everybody's kind of elbowing to get, you know, you see them all kind of packed in at the head of the table. And he's, you know, I'm sure shaking his head a little bit. Uh, and he gives this advice. He said, and this is Luke 14, verse 8. When you're invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honor. What if someone who is more distinguished than you has also been invited? The host will come and say, give this person your seat, and then you will be embarrassed, and you will have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. And then you will be honored in front of all the other guests. Key verse, verse 11. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now, this is kind of a a pro tip from Jesus about humility. Um, If you want to be great, that's okay. I mean, if you want to be great, that's okay. Make yourself low. If you want to be low, just try to make yourself great, right? That's the the example that Jesus uh, gives us. Back to Philippians chapter two. To help the believers at Philippi wrap their minds around the concept of humility, Paul gave them the ultimate example of humility. He said in verse five, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. This is the attitude that we're to have about our own importance in this life. It's the same one that Jesus had. Verse six, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God something to cling to. Some translations uh, say uh, he did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. You're not gonna find any instance in the New Testament where Jesus leveraged his position, his deity for his own comfort or convenience? Don't you know who I am? Haven't you heard of me? You don't find that anywhere uh, in the New Testament. Verse seven, instead of leveraging his position and his deity for his own benefit, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. The King James Version there says, he made himself of no reputation, right? Other translations say he made himself nothing. Not only did he not leverage his position for his own comfort or convenience, he did just the opposite. He gave up his position to become a servant. He gave up his position to live 33 years of discomfort an inconvenience to be a servant 
Most of us wouldn't leave our air-conditioned, high-speed internet, smartphone, leather seat luxury automobile existence for three weeks to be a servant to someone else. Verse seven, when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Why? Because you were more important. Because I was more important than his position or his comfort. Your eternal life was more important than anything else. So he submitted himself fully to the will of God. And you remember, you remember that night, we, we, most of the time we just read about this at Easter time, but you remember the night in the Garden of Gethsemane? He's praying, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, right? Uh, nevertheless, it's not what I want, not, not my will, but your will be done. Humbled before God the Father in submissive obedience to him. The ultimate act of humility, right? Not, not my will, but your will. Not me, but you. First you, than me. And because of that humility, he died like the lowest form of criminal. While people spat on him and mocked him, like bled from his head and his hands and his feet when he couldn't get enough oxygen in his body to keep it alive. Verse nine, therefore, or because, because of his humble obedience, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because Jesus humbled himself, God the Father gave him the highest honor and the name above all other names. You know, it's, it's at the name of Jesus that every knee will bow. Not the, not the name of the Holy Spirit. or you know, It's the name of Jesus. Amen. The one who, who came and humbled himself and became obedient and put you first. That is your Lord. Amen. There's one more example that I want to give to you this morning um, of what humility looks like. And it's a man who was sent from God. And his name was John. People called him John the Baptist. Uh, God sent John to prepare the way for Jesus, to tell the world that salvation was on its way. He was part of a prophecy. I mean, he was the guy that Malachi and Isaiah said would come and prepare the way for Jesus. Now, how many regular not Jesus guys do you think appear in the New Testament that were prophesied about in the Old Testament? Yeah. I asked the pastor to try to think of some. He, he made a good effort uh, at it. But not John. John the Baptist is really the guy. Now, you know, Judas, you know, may have been prophet, but John the Baptist and Jesus, those are pretty much the two God, the two main guys that are prophesied to appear 
John the Baptist is a pretty big deal. He preached to thousands, many thousands, maybe tens of thousands, maybe more. In Matthew chapter 3, the Bible tells us, and this is verse 5, people from Jerusalem and from all of Judea and from all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. Now, these are people that are traveling, by the way, by foot or donkey, uh, and some of them for days to hear him speak. Verse six, and when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. You can read this, you know, everybody knows the story of John the Baptist. You can read it in Matthew chapter three, Luke chapter three, and John chapter three. It's kind of a little interesting thing uh, where the the story appears in chapter three of all of those gospels. You see that John, when you read a story, you see that John isn't just baptizing people, right? People are confessing their sins. He's teaching them how to live. He's uh, speaking to tax collectors, right? Tax collectors are listening to him. Soldiers are listening to him. Uh, John is having a profound influence over thousands of people. He had influence. People knew his name. People knew his name. They came from all over to hear him speak. He was the guy that the prophets foretold would come. The voice crying out in the wilderness, make way for the Lord. People even wondered if he was the Messiah. He even had his own disciples, right? He had his own guys, his own entourage around him. Then something happened. John chapter three, verse 22. Then Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem and went into the Judean countryside. Jesus spent some time with them there baptizing people. It's kind of John the Baptist thing. Verse 26, so John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, remember the guy that came and you baptized him and you said it's the Messiah, the guy that you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah is also baptizing people and everybody is going to him. Instead of coming to us. Hey man, this Messiah guy is stealing our show. He's baptizing people, and that's that's your thing. It's in your name. It's even I mean, John the Baptist, how can anybody be confused about this? The implication there is: hey, John, you're becoming irrelevant. Right? Now imagine if you'd been John's disciples for a while. Um, I mean, other than having to, you know, I guess eat honey and locusts at staff meetings, uh, it was probably not a bad gig, you know? Um, You're the guy who hangs out with the guy, you know? People respect him, so people respect you. He has influence, so you have influence. Um, People clap. And you're right there with them. So it's kind of like they're clapping for you. And it feels pretty, pretty good. He's got status, so you've got status. And then suddenly these guys see all of that slipping away. And John doesn't seem to care. He's becoming irrelevant and they're becoming irrelevant. And it's making them kind of nervous. Why is that? I mean... It's because their priority 
right? The priority of maintaining their, their status, their influence, their position. I mean, and as long as it all jives together with, you know, this Jesus guy and everything else, then that's, that's fine. But when the priority of Jesus starts to push that down a little bit, that's not, that's not okay. I mean, I don't know about you. I like people to think I have influence. I mean, maybe, maybe you're not. Maybe you're okay with that. I like people to think that I know what I'm doing, that I'm good at what I do. Everybody likes to feel important. Everybody wants to be known for something. I want to be known as being good at what I do. Right? When somebody threatens that, I don't like it. I push back. Right? Because I am concerned. I mean, I got pride. That was their priority. But that wasn't John's priority. Verse 27, John replied, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. Go read your Old Testament. Malachi, Isaiah, they'll tell you. I know why I'm here. Verse 29, it is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the best man is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. Verse 31, he has come from above and is greater than anyone else. John's disciples are telling him, hey, you're the man. And John is saying, whatever status, whatever popularity, whatever influence I have comes from God. And it's for God. It's not to be leveraged for my own benefit. It's to be leveraged for God's benefit and for the benefit of others. The only reason I'm here is to point people to Jesus. I'm just a, ref- I'm just a reflection of God to people, to point people to him. John knew who he was. He knew where his influence came from, whether it was great or whether it was little. And his influence had been dwindling, by the way. I mean, it had been dwindling. John had leveraged all of his charisma and his popularity to point people to Jesus. He says, I'm like the best man at a wedding. Right? By the way, weddings back then were a little different uh, than they were today. The, the bride was less the main focus of, uh, of the wedding, right? It was more the, the bridegroom, the groom, right? So he says, I'm like, I'm like the best man at a wedding. I've got an important role to play, right? Supporting the groom. But the wedding isn't about me. He is greater 
than me. And you know what Jesus said about John, by the way? This is really interesting. Um, Matthew chapter 11, verse 11. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Think about that for just a minute. Not, not Moses, not, not Abraham, not King David. None is greater than John the Baptist. John humbled himself, right? Uh, and he was exalted by Jesus. He wasn't exalted in this life very much. John was humbled himself and he was humiliated. And he died a painful and horrible death. But Jesus, the God of heaven, says, there's none greater than this man. What does humility look like every day in my life and in your life when it comes to being humble towards people the mentality is this the approach that I have to the decisions that I make is this the reaction that I have to the things that you do is this it's not about me it's not about me Right? It's not about my importance. It's not about my influence. It's not about my convenience. It's not about my comfort. It's not about me. You first. You first, and then me. Except that four-way stop signs. By the way, humility is not weakness. It's the decision to leverage your strength for someone else's benefit. Humility is not weakness. Meekness, by the way, meekness and humility are kind of, meekness is not weakness. It's simply the decision to leverage your strength to help others. My influence to help others. The material resources that I have to help others. Not to make myself great but to make others great, to make God great. Humility towards God, our attitude should be like Jesus. One of total obedience. It's not what I want. Because I want, i tell you, you know what I want? No pain. No pain. I want everybody to like me. I want you to think I'm great. I want you to pat me on the back and tell me what a good job I've done. That's what I want. I want things to be easy. I want life to be comfortable. You don't think, I mean, that night in the garden, you know, If it be possible, 
I don't want to go through this. That's what I want. Humbling myself before God says, not what I want, God, but what you want. And help me to do it. I exist not so that I can be influential or famous or admired or respected, but so that I can serve you, God, in whatever way you see fit. Now, some people, God sees fit to uh, use them in really prominent ways, right? They're famous. Uh, people think that, you know, they write books. Uh, they, they have great testimonies. You know, Billy Graham, wow. Some of us, God doesn't use in such a prominent way, but he uses us just the same. And I've got to be good with whatever role God gives me to play because it's not about me. It's about him. And it's about the role that he gives me to play in your life. Luke 14, 11. We're going to end with this. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. This is this, from this story that Jesus told about the people trying to elbow their way to the front, the head of the table. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Okay. Jesus said John was like the greatest of all time. None greater, none more exalted of men. In some translations, it, it, it says, uh, no, none greater born of, of woman than John the Baptist. Guy who had tremendous amounts of influence, popularity, attention, leveraged it for God and gave it all up, right? I hope uh, today that uh, when you think about what humility looks like in your life, uh, today and tomorrow when the world creeps back into your life, again, uh, that your attitude will be to others, you first and then me, to God, not what I want, but what you want. The promise of God, the promise of God is that when we have this attitude in our life every day, that he brings with it the benefit, wisdom, guidance, protection, provision, and that in his time, we will be like John exalted. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for Jesus and his willingness to humble himself on the cross, pay the ultimate price so that I don't have to. Thank you for the promise that I have that if I will, God, if I will humble myself before you, that if I will forsake pride, the desire to be loved and admired and uh, to be influential. 
God, that, that there's so much more for me. So many great ways that I can serve you. So many great ways that you can use me in this life. Thank you for the example of John the Baptist and thank you for the example of my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Join us in standing.